Titus will always be part of our family and in our heart, and we will definitely continue to try and keep our voices heard out there on it as well. This is Defender Radio. I'm Michael Howie, and this is Defender Radio, the podcast for wildlife advocates and animal lovers, brought to you by the Fur Bears. Not long ago, Kimberly Ross and her family lost their beloved companion Titus to a legally set snare. This episode features an emotional interview with Kimberly. If you are unable or choose not to listen, I understand. But I do ask that you click on the links in our blog or show notes or head to thefurbearers.com snares to take action on banning these horrible, inhumane devices. Snares are legal across Canada and, as you will hear, can be set without warning and without setback from publicly accessible recreation areas, property lines, and natural places. Kimberly spoke with the Fender Radio just one week after losing Titus to share her story in hopes that they can help save the lives of other pets. Let's talk about the area where you live. Uh, to give it an idea and an image, you said it's a rural area? It is a rural area. It's uh, basically the the slogan for our our Rocky Mountain House town is they are the gateway to the Rockies. And so we are uh, in, a, in a lot of uh, bushland, lots of treat areas. And obviously we are literally... Uh, uh, just a, an hour or so away from the mountains, so so it is uh, fairly forested as well. Mm-hmm. Probably very picturesque, the, I would imagine. It, it's a, it's absolutely beautiful. I've grown up there my entire life. The Clearwater County where we live is um, populated uh, by about twenty thousand people in. A very very large area. The town of Rocky Mountain House is population of about six thousand, and we get uh, a lot of outdoor activities happen out there. Uh, right on our doorstep, there's uh, skiing, uh, snowmobiling, cross country skiing, snowshoeing, you name it. There is uh, a very very active outdoor activities that people travel from a, a very long way to, to come and enjoy that. Correct. I imagine in a small town, there's also a very strong sense of community. Absolutely. That is hits the nail right on the head with, with this uh, place that we live. Our farm where we live, we are familiar and have been friends with all of our neighbors in in the neighboring farms and neighboring acreages for many many years and we don't have a a very high turnover i guess you would say in families moving in and out of the area they tend to come in and and they tend to stay and we have a pretty close-knit little tiny community of our own let's talk a bit about titus he looked like he was a big guy maybe some kind of a shelter special he was. We were. He was rehomed as a a young dog, not a puppy, but a young dog to us. Oh, about uh, eight years ago, 
And we were told at the time that he was a German shepherd crossed with, we, they didn't know what, right? And, but that didn't matter to us. At the time, I was a, a, a single mom with two young boys, a, a one and a three-year-old. And I did want a dog around. I'd always had dogs my entire life. And I did want a dog around our, our house just to have a presence, a bit of protection and whatnot there, and to have my boys grow up with a, a really good pet. And so we decided on, on Titus. And he really was a guard dog for, for our property. He he made sure that anybody that that came there they they knew he was there he he wasn't aggressive but his presence was very much noticed when when visitors and and whatnot he also protected our animals we have um, a mixed farm we've got some cattle and we've got chickens and and, and you know and, and on a hobby scale too with some sheep and goats and and whatnot. And he was very, very good at making his rounds all the time to make sure that not only we were uh, taken care of, but also the animals were taken care of. And he, that was his job. That's what he did. He obviously lived in the house with, with us, but was a very active outdoor dog as well. And he had his, his job and his, his people, and, and he did a, a very good job at, at becoming part of our entire family. That's a very common life for a dog in rural Alberta, uh, to go out and roam, but they're loved and part of the family. Yeah. It's also healthy for them, I would argue, to have that job and to be able to go and do those things. It is, and most of the dogs that uh, we have ever been on a rural area, they are they are never tethered or or uh, confined to a kennel or a dog run or or what have you. They they tend to always stay by their by their home, but they are, I guess there is potential for them to wander off the property. We, if being the neighbors that we have always had, randomly, especially with my, my kids, we would have a neighbor's dog show up. The, the boys would be playing out in the yard. The neighbor's dog is like, hey, that sounds fun. I'm going to go down there and play with them. And we just either call the neighbor or walk the dog back and, and let them know that, you know, that their puppy is, is, safe but he's with us and in the event that the their other neighbor's puppy might say hey i want to go and chase somebody else's cows today then as a landowner ethically you go to the neighbor and say hey you know your 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 puppy is uh chasing my livestock can you please train him not to to do that and it's been like that for for the last 50 years around there you just go talk to your neighbor and, and you deal with it. And everybody's family members, their pets are, are safe and happy and, and content. 
And it sounds like it's, again, that sense of community. If there's a problem, you come together and you work it out. You find a solution. Absolutely. Yes. Now, let's talk about this recent event that occurred. Let's start at the beginning of this part of the story. Mm -hmm. Titus had gone out, as he always does. Correct. And then... Titus, yeah, Titus likes to kind of, he's getting to be a little bit of an, was getting to be a little bit of an older puppy. So it was Sunday morning, my husband was outside, and Titus likes to sleep in a little bit. So it was about 10 o'clock or so when we let him out of the house from his long-deserved nap. And my husband uh, had said that he had seen Titus do his rounds. He goes and he checks the chickens. Yeah, everybody's okay. He went and checked the sheep. Everybody's okay. And he kind of did his patrol of the property. And my husband was working on a uh, building some corral panels using the welder. And so he was out there for the the entire day doing this. I went outside to go see how the panels were, were coming along at about uh, 11.30. And I noticed that Titus wasn't, wasn't there. Normally he's right beside my husband. And he, I called for him and called for him. And he just didn't re- return. There was no barking. There was nothing. It was just he, he had literally vanished. And so we thought, okay, you know, it, the, the usual for him. But we thought, well, maybe he'll just was on a longer walkabout or found a something that he was preoccupying his time. And so it was about four o'clock, five o'clock that evening, I said, you know, I, I am very worried about, about Titus. My husband had been running the quad all day and he made a point of going out and in, into our back field where it's very treed and, and running the quad back there. One of Titus's favorite, favorite, favorite things as many dogs is to, to run by the quad. That quad just gets him so excited and he did, he didn't return even with the quad running. And my boys and I, again, calling all day. I had put the original post on the local lost pet pages on Facebook saying that he was missing. And if anybody seen him to let me know. And immediately I started to get some messages about potential people in the area that had been alleged to be stealing these types of dogs from real properties. And I got really worried that that was what happened to Titus, that he was dognapped essentially because he just vanished without a trace. So we, we thought, okay, well, we'll go to bed and wake up in the morning and we'll, we'll see if Titus is, come back, which he never did. So as soon as it became light outside, my husband and I started to try and follow any tracks that Titus had around the, around the property. Just as where did he go? We were up on the gravel road in front of our property and 
my husband just let out a, a, a terrifying yell. He, he, he was standing in front of a neighboring uh, acreage that had just come in a few months before. And he was standing on the road, and he, and he yells at me, and he says, Kim, I know where Titus is. And I'm like, all of a sudden, I was like, oh, good. I got to where my husband was, and he's standing on the road, and he says, Titus is in a snare. Because there's one right there. And I looked, and I was just horrified. Right from the road, we could see two snares right right there in plain view. But if you were never looking for it, you would never see it. They're just made of very thin wire, and they're, they're in the trees, right? So we immediately phoned my father, who also lives in the area, and he came and take a, took a look at, at these snares that we could see from the road, and we decided to get the four by four out and go into our back pastures to see if we can see anything on the neighboring, uh, neighboring land. As soon as we got into the back pastures, we seen a bunch of ravens circling around a part of the bush about a hundred yards into the neighboring landowner's property from our fence line. And my heart just, sunk. I know what circling ravens mean. I know what crows around mean. So we immediately went over there. This particular landowner of that quarter section and my dad have run cattle for the last 25 years and they they literally have a gate between the two properties just because the cattle get back and forth. So dad has his ongoing permission with this landowner to, to be on the property. So we all went over there and we found amazing amount of bones and carcasses and rotting meat and bait and more snares and more snares and more snares. And then my husband finally spotted Titus in a power snare that was dislodged from where it was anchored from. He was quite a ways away from the tree that the snare would have been anchored to. And my husband ran up to him and unbelievably, he was still alive. So we got the snare off of Titus and he he took a big breath and he was he was just laying there. He was barely alive. So I ran back to the house to get a, a sled or, or something. We, we had to get this dog out of the bush. And in the meantime, Titus just rested. And, and uh, when I got back, he was kind of sitting up and he was looking around. And we tried to get him on the sled to take him back to the house, and he ha- would have nothing to do with that. He was like, this is not, not, I'm not getting on this sled. He literally got up and walked back to the house. And it took 
him about a, an hour to get back to the house, but he, he did it on his own. He went right back home and he wanted in his doghouse. So we loaded him up and took him into the veterinarian Rocky Mountain house and they checked him out. And although he was still alive, he was in pretty rough shape. And they indicated to us that there really isn't much that they can do on these types of injuries that either the dog heals or the dog doesn't. So they sent us home after a few hours of giving him some IV fluids um, just to get, because he was so dehydrated. And we brought uh, him home with with some anti-inflammatory and some painkillers for him. And we had him in the house and, and he slept there all night and the next day, and then my husband was was talking to Titus, and and he just he he wasn't recovering. And my kids came in, and and they were talking to Titus. My husband was there, and unfortunately, I wasn't. But but Titus just passed then. So he was. My solace is is that he was with his people. He was with his family, and not in that damp bush with a snare around his neck. And that made me so angry. It made me so angry. We had already been in contact with the RCMP, the animal, uh, human rights for animals or whatnot, and anybody we could think of to call Fish and Wildlife. And what we were told was that after checking this new neighbor's licenses and whatnot and the permissions that he had on the other person's property, he had done everything legally. And we were, there is nothing in the law that says that we were to be notified of these snare traps or anything. We were completely unaware that they were there. And the Fish and Wildlife Officer was very empathetic. He was uh, really good. And he said that many hunters don't practice as ethically as they would like them to, but they are doing it legally. And that's where where they left it with us. And how has your family been managing the grief in these ongoing days? Um... It's been a rough week. <laughs> this happened a week ago. And uh, there's all sorts of mixtures between going from obviously extreme sadness to extreme anger and and back again. And just having the closure that he was there makes us feel better that uh that we that we did find him find out what it, it was that happened to him but we were at the point then that we were like something needs to, to change this can't happen to to all of these pets because as, as our story got out there a little bit more and more i had people reaching out to me with their stories 
and it was was just heartbreaking all week long to 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 see the magnitude of this practice hurting so many families what is often unsettling is that we don't know how often it's happening that's right in the event that a family pet is caught in one of these snares or traps the hunter most likely goes out to check finds the pet and just disposes of it and then there's a family left out there with with absolutely no closure and they're still searching for for their dog that's also when we'll hear about wildlife being involved um or dog nappers as you had mentioned earlier which is a real thing um though you then wonder how often is it right a trapper getting a dog and not reporting it and following the the off-discussed protocol of shoot shovel shut up yes it's completely unethical and so many times have i heard and I've said over the past week, we didn't know. If we had known, we would have done things differently with Titus. We would have made sure that, you know, he would, didn't have access off the property until the snares were gone. We would have 100% done anything in our power to ensure that he couldn't be lured over there by that bait, because that's what he he, he that's what he was going for. Just like a coyote, he, he, wow, look at all of this good stuff over here. And we would have made sure that he wouldn't have had any access to it at all. We, we, we had no idea it was, it was there. And that, that needs to change. The, the, the hunters need to, have legislation that makes them tell people where their traps are so that people can take extra precautions with their dogs. The legislation says that your dog is to be kept on your property at all times and if he's off your property to be on a leash. Well, the dogs are being lured off their property just like like it's candy to a kid. And on that note, and on that thought as well, as a mother, have you considered that possibility of this is where the, the kids play and explore? <laughs> you, you, you wouldn't imagine how many times in the past week that has been in my head. My boys are very active outside, and they are in the age right now where they're you know seven and nine years old. That they you know they they are old enough to to go and play out out by themselves and and whatnot. I I couldn't even imagine they they go into the bush all the time exploring and hunting or they're not hunting their their. Um, scouring for different they're very much into um the survival where you eat the, <laughs> the oh um 
Yeah, there's a word for that. You're right. And whatnot. Uh, Foraging. Foraging. Yeah. And then they go and they, yes. And then they go and they they put their their little plastic baggies on the trees to collect water and whatnot to drink in the event that they, that they, uh, out in the wilderness. They are part of the, the local junior forest warden. Uh, club in our community as well and so that's what they do is they they learn about the conservation and the the trees and the plants and and whatnot so they go out and they practice this all the time have I thought about it completely absolutely completely it very easily could happen to a child or or even an adult that is potentially out there foraging as well. The, tr- the the snares are so indistinguishable from the underlying brush that you have no idea that they're there. One of the things that we'll often talk about at the fur bears and with our supporters is that there is no setback required for publicly accessible areas either. This happened between two private properties, but there's equally a lack of legislation requiring signage or setbacks from trails or recreational areas. And that's my understanding is that the general public, from what I can determine, the general public thinks that there is legislation for that because that just makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. It's very common sense to think that, and maybe not that there's a trap right here, but that there's traps in the area. Yes, and that, that it would be posted or that somebody would be notified. And, and that's where the outrage, I, I think, was coming from some of these messages that were coming back to me was that, no, they have to tell you. And I, I said, no, unfortunately, they don't. And people were just like, are you kidding? They don't have to tell you. And I'm like, no, they, they, they don't. And I, there, with that being not a common knowledge that these traps are out there and they are not required to disclose where they are. People don't know that they think that they and their pets are, are protected because they're in an area that has no signs posted of any traps in the area. Well, they could be sorely mistaken. There could be hundreds and thousands of snare traps in that area. This is a difficult question, but how is your family doing? Uh, as you recover, you're, I mean, you're still grieving this. As of right now, it's been a week. And we know that the grieving of a pet from a psychological point of view is as impactful or can be as impactful as the grieving of a child. It is, and it it definitely we we had discussed it and said, you know, let's let's just remember Titus. Um, my concern was I I still don't like being without a dog at our on our property. I feel safer with a dog, and so. We we had discussed maybe getting a puppy in a month or, or two or in the springtime when it was a little bit easier to train them. I had a, a lady that had seen our 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 story and our post 
and she gave me a private message and this this weekend I was going through I had a lot of messages and I wanted to make sure that I read every single one and and responded back and this particular message was um a post from a lady in, in Brandon, Manitoba that she had been had gotten some uh a couple puppies from and she said, I don't know if, if you're ready for, for this yet, but I would like you to read this post or read this this uh lady's post and maybe, you know, contact contact her. I read the post and chills went down I had tears by the time I was done reading this post and the the lady in Manitoba had the same thing happen to her German Shepherd and what she was do what she had fortunately had her uh her boy before he got uh snared and he had actually had a litter of puppies and she was offering a a, a puppy to a family that had a story similar to theirs in order to help that family heal because she felt that their healing process was a lot less painful when they knew that they had one of of her dog's uh, uh, legacy with them. And I did contact her and back and forth we, we, uh, messaged and told her story and and cried her outrage and whatnot and she 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 really wanted after all the people that had responded back to to her post offering this uh gift of a healing puppy she decided that she would like this puppy to come to alberta to our family and so we are currently trying to coordinate how to get this this gift from Brandon, Manitoba to Rocky Mountain House, Alberta. <laughs> A great adventure to start the next adventure. It very much is. Um, both of both her and I feel that it was we, we we were drawn together. Unfortunately, because of our two stories, um, this little puppy he doesn't have a name yet. But he he was born on on Remembrance Day, and we are are so happy to bring him into our our family and then to remember Titus and Kingston, the other dog, and have this puppy with our family and grow up with my boys and continue to try and and keep the awareness of of these snares out there so that the general public is aware of the legislation that does not require locations to be disclosed or there is no buffer zones, et cetera. We should have been part of that advocacy before, but not knowing that it was happening, we really couldn't. Now that I know it's happening on a very large scale, I want to be part of that advocacy to to ensure that and, and potentially try and get these laws changed and and do what we can to help. 
What was it like um, for you? And I don't know if this was part of the grieving process or part of the healing process or of no help at all, but to hear from the people uh, who were supporting you uh, or those who have been through this themselves. There's two sides to it. Um, We, we were reading the messages and our heart just went out to every story that, that we read that was so similar. And it would just not only bring this thoughts of just this horror in, into your head, but also it, you know, it, it just, it was continually bringing up the, the loss of Titus for us. And, I, I I was so vulnerable in my emotions all week that I would just start crying driving down the road. Uh, it, it very much brings your grieving process to the forefront. And you don't want to, you know, dwell on the loss of your pet to everybody because they eventually be like, okay, get over it. Right. It's, it's, it's a pet, but it's not just a pet. It's, it's part of your family. Um, so by me being able to talk to, to these others that were reaching out with their condolences and their, and their stories, I do believe it, it did help the the healing start and also gave me more reason to say, Hey, I don't want to just sit back and, and continue to let this happen. I, I, I want to talk about it. I, I, I want to, 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 to raise awareness of this. I can assure you, um, through your anger and your sadness and your grief, you are not alone. Both in the tragedy for your family and for Titus and for the other animals and families who have suffered in this way, there is a growing realization, I believe, in our country. I believe that. At the very least, I can say you're not alone. I believe that the support from just strangers has, has been overwhelming. And because of of them and and whatnot, I I think that they've got now with me and my family, they've got more help for 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 their cause. And I'm hoping that by me getting my story out there, I touch somebody else enough to say, "Hey, I want to stand up for this cause." And down the line that then another person will then say, I want to stand up for this cause. That is how great change is achieved. Right. I'd like to thank you personally and on behalf of everyone else for sharing your story, as painful as it may be, because it truly does lead to change for everyone. I sure hope so. I I sure hope so. Titus will always be part of our family and in our heart and we will definitely continue to try and get our voices heard out there on it as well.
To take action and ban snares, please visit thefurbears.com slash snares or follow the links in this week's show notes or on the podcast blog. We'll have more on this issue through upcoming episodes and various interviews. To stay up to date on what I'm working on, see some amusing comics, read interesting news, and get some photos of JJ the Hamilton Hound, follow me on Facebook and Twitter at Defender Radio and on Instagram at Howie Michael. Until next time, I'm Michael Howie for Defender Radio and the Fur Bears, reminding you to stay informed and stay strong. <laughs>